This semester we're going to be walking through all of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. That's the, that's the goal um, of this semester and next semester and maybe one more after that, depending on how long it takes. Um, so we're just going to walk through, actually we're probably going to kind of run through, maybe sprint through even, uh, all of Scripture, Genesis through Revelation. And so that's where we're headed. Um, if you want to turn, we're going to be in John 1, um, John 1, 1 actually, if you want to turn there. Um, but before we get into that, I was thinking that, that the Bible, the Bible intimidates a lot of people, I think, when they're, when they're trying to study it, trying to get something out of it. I think a lot of times, um, for people that have followed Christ, maybe even for a little while, when you go to the Bible, it can be intimidating because uh, of lots of different reasons. But I think, I think that one big or two big reasons that, that the Bible can be intimidating or confusing um, to people, uh, partly because of these two things. They don't understand its structure, and they don't understand the overall, overall story of Scripture. So you miss the structure of it, and you miss the overall story of it, and it makes everything else really confusing if you don't know those two things. And so that's what I want to do tonight. That, that's my goal tonight, is to give you a little bit more insight on the structure of the Bible and why that's important and the overall story um, as we spend this next year, year and a half, talking about all, all through Scripture from the beginning to the end of why the gospel is, uh, is evident in all of it. Um, and so we're going to look tonight at the structure of the Bible and the overall story. So we'll start um, with the structure. And I think knowing even the basics of these two things will make the Bible so much more clear and, and will open it up to make so much more sense to you. And so we're going to start with the structure. Uh, very basic, I, I guess, starting off it's split in, I guess, half, you could say, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? Um, there's two Testaments, the Old and the New, and the reason there's that division or what that division is based on is the Old Testament is all the time recorded before uh, Jesus came to the earth. And then the New Testament is during and after Jesus came to the earth. So that's the split of the Old Testament uh, and New Testaments. Old is before Jesus comes. New is, is when Jesus comes and after that. Uh, there's 66 books in all of, of the Bible that are put together, um, written by different people, uh, 40 different auth authors, I think, uh, is what it is. Uh, 66 different books, various authors um, that were followers of Jesus, and, but, but all of it is inspired by God himself. So you have to know that. Even though there's... There's men that wrote these words down. Um, they were inspired by God himself. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed God or breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete or perfect, equipped for every good work. Uh, so that and other places you can look. It is all God's word. So beginning Genesis to Revelation. It is all the Word of God, even though men wrote it down. Um, it is all breathed out by God. And so these are his words, his story, split between the Old and New Testament, before and after Jesus. Uh, these 66 books, and there's 39 books in the Old Testament, and 27 in the New. That's how it's split up. 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. And here, let me tell you why, why that's important. Um, there's different kinds of books, and maybe not all of you know this, right? There's different kinds of books. Um, in the Old Testament, 
there's 17 historical books, five poetical books, and 17 prophetical books. I think I've got a picture of that for you, that breakdown um, of the Old Testament um, and how it's split up. There's 17 historical books, uh, five poetical books, and 17 prophetical books. And the reason that's important is because if you, if you go into Scripture and you think, I can just begin at Genesis 1 and I can read through it all and it should all, like any other book, just make sense and, and, and be uh, in chronological order where all these things happen, Genesis is the beginning, Revelation is the end, and everything happened chronologically. If you go to Scripture trying to read it like that, you will get very confused very quickly because that's not how it's set up. Uh, you can buy Bibles now that are called chronological Bibles, and they put all the books in chronological order. Um, but the way most Bibles are, are split up, um, again, there's 17 historical books. So the first 17 books is the history, is the timeline of Scripture, is the timeline of the Old Testament. So if you want to read, like, the timeline and what's going on, you can read Genesis, um, and you can go through the first 17 books of the Bible, and then there's this jump at Psalms, Right? If you're, if you're going through and you're following along and you get to Psalms and then you're like, wait, something changed, something's different. Uh, it, it, the, the chronological order stops there. Uh, there's five called, what are called poetical books. Psalms is one of them. Uh, Song of Solomon is one of them. Uh, Ecclesiastes. All those books and then the prof prophetical books, there's major prophets, minor prophets, just um, all those prophetical books like Daniel and Jeremiah and, and all these books written by prophets, the prophets and the poetical books all are meant to supplement the historical books. Uh, do we have that image or no? Yes? No? We don't. Okay, just kidding. Um, we, so, so if you think about it, the first 17 books, that's the history, that's the timeline. First 17 books in the Old Testament. And then the rest of the books in the Old Testament was 39 minus 17. Come on. What? What? 22, right? We're all good. We'll go with that. Um, so the re remaining 22 books, uh, all fall, like they all meant to give more detail to those first 17. So if, think about it this way. So Job. Job does not happen in the middle of all this stuff. Job, is, Job happens at, towards the beginning of creation. So when you read Job and when you read about Job, his story is towards the very beginning. It happens sometimes at the very beginning uh, of Genesis. And so if you know that, then it helps you have a little clearer understanding of, of how this stuff is structured. Uh, then it's not quite as confusing. So you can look at um, Psalms. It's, it's Psalms. Most of the Psalms are written by uh, David. And, and at the time when he was king or becoming king. And so if you read his Psalms and you read about how people are persecuting him and some of the prayers that he has, some of the songs that he has, and you kind of plug that into the timeline of, of where he's at when you read um, about his life story. Um, in the timeline of things, in the historical books, it just gives so much more detail, and it, it, it helps you to begin to understand uh, more of how this thing is laid out. Uh, so there's 17 historical books. Just remember that. If you can't remember anything else, remember that. The first 17 books of the Old Testament tell the timeline, and everything else, the prophets, are prophesying to people during that timeline of what is going to happen, how nations are going to come, uh, and, and, and things like that, and, and God's judgment on certain things. Um, but the first 17 is the history and the timeline. In the New Testament, in the New Testament, there's also three different kinds of books. There's five historical books, 13 uh, Pauline epistles or letters from Paul, and then nine general letters, okay? 
Oh, yes, we have that one. Uh, so three kinds of books in the New Testament. The historical, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. So for the New Testament, if you want to know kind of the timeline, if you want to pick up from the Old Testament and those first 17 books in the Old Testament, uh, then in the beginning here, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts kind of give you the timeline of what's going on in the New Testament. And then again, these rest, the rest of them, these letters written by Paul or written by these other people, um, you kind of plug that into the timeline of things. It, it gives more um, life to what's going on in those. It's not just like a straight timeline all the way through. And so if, even if you just know that, hopefully that makes the Bible itself a whole lot less confusing. Um, and so Pauline epistles just meaning they're written by the guy named Paul, right? Uh, those first group he wrote to churches, the, the last little group there he wrote to those individuals. Um, and then there's general um, letters as well. And, and Hebrews, it's not really uh, certain who wrote Hebrews, but all the other ones, um, well, James, written by James, Peter, written by Peter, John, by John, uh, Jude, and then Revelation is written by John as well. Um, so historical books, Pauline epistles or Pauline letters, and, and nine general letters as well. That's what makes up the 27 books in the New Testament. If you can just know that, then you begin to see how all this stuff works together and how it is one big story, but it's not meant like the way that most Bibles are structured at least to be read beginning to end and, and, and think that that's a clear timeline. That's not how it's set up. Um, but if you want, like I said, I've read through the chronological Bible before too, and that's pretty cool to read through it that way. Uh, they have Bibles that they've structured in that way. And so you can go buy one that's a, called a chronological Bible, and it has uh, Genesis and it has Job um, near the beginning instead of in the middle uh, so that you can read things kind of in a chronological order. Um, why does that matter? Again, if you don't, if you're just confused, then you're going to be frustrated and you're not going to want to get into this thing, right? If it's confusing to you and it seems overwhelming and you don't know how everything fits together, then you're not going to want to get into it. If you don't want to get into it, this is where we find life. This is where we find what life is all about. Um, and so track with me a little bit for this. This is kind of like, you know, feels kind of like class a little bit, I think. But, but it's really helpful. And so if, one of the, if you want to know more about this kind of stuff, like how the structure of the Bible fits together, and you want to know more in depth about that, the, the greatest book that I've ever read about that is called 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. Uh, 30 Days to Understanding the Bible by a guy named Max Anders. Um, 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. Look that up. Buy that. I have some if you want to get a copy from me. Um, it's like $10, and I can give you, give you a copy. I have like 30 in my office. Um, 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. And from that book, there, there's these different eras that are listed out in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And I have a little picture of this ark, right? And uh, this is taken from that book. And so this book divides all of Scripture into these 12 different eras. So you can see, kind of pull out from the Bible and see a big picture of like what, what's going on. Um, and so there's, there's pictures that kind of help you remember and then um, those boxes in the middle to write down which e what each of them are. So the first one, if you start at the bottom left and you go all the way around to the bottom right. Uh, the first one is, is uh, creation, the creation era. So it talks a lot about when God created everything, right? Um, the second one is picture is this old guy, right? So it's the patriarch era or the fathers of the nation of God's people. So it's people like Abraham, Isaac, um, and talks all about the people of God, the people of Israel, and how God created this people to uh, spread his message to the world. Um, number three there is Exodus. Um, 
and talk about the, the people of God. So the people of God grow. They get bigger and bigger and bigger. You've probably heard this story in the midst of, of Joseph. Um, all of the people of Israel grow, and they're enslaved by the Egyptians, right? Um, there's, there's hundreds of thousands, million maybe of them, and they are enslaved by the Egyptians, and then God sets the people free, right? These are things that you've probably grown up seeing images of, of the parting of the Red Sea, things like that, right? And so Exodus is one of the areas, eras, and then after that, those swords is conquests. So it's people like Joshua and trying to get uh, to the land that God wants his people to go to. Uh, then there's the judges era, uh, and then there's the kingdom era, and then there's, uh, after kingdom is exile. So there's people that come because the people of God haven't been listening to him, uh, haven't been following the things that he commanded them to do, they get taken away by other nations, um, and they get exiled from their homeland. So it's um, guys like Daniel, when you, if you've ever read Daniel, uh, a lot of the exile period is talked about in there when, when uh, the people of God are taken by these other nations. And then the return era where they get to come back, um, they get to rebuild the temple, if you've ever heard anything, anybody talk about that. Um, the return era, and then silence. Um, there's this, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's 400 years of silence. There's 400 years that goes by where nobody hears anything from God. And so there's this silence era. And then in the New Testament, there's the gospel era, uh, which is the cross there, and uh, about Jesus being on earth, right? And it's all laid out in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and then the church era. Uh, so when Jesus comes, he establishes the church, and then the church is meant to uh, reach the world for Christ and, and tell other people about who he is. And so it goes from the church era um, to missions era, the last one, a picture of the world there. And that's kind of the arc of, well, arc of biblical history, right? Um, but underlying all these eras, right? So you can, this is just to help you think about big picture, what is going on in Scripture. If you can just remember 12 little pictures, right? And this is all in that book, 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. If you can just remember that, that, the, those 12 pictures and the words that go with them, then you can kind of, you can separate what the Bible is about and, and, and what these different sections are about. But, but the underlying theme in all of this, in all those eras and all of this scripture, is the gospel. The gospel is, is the good news of God's love and his grace and his mercy poured out through Jesus. It is God's rescue plan for humanity when things get screwed up. And, and the gospel is the thread that runs through all of Scripture. So this study that we're talking through this, this next year and a half is called The Thread and how the thread of the gospel runs through all of Scripture from the very beginning to the end. That that is what the Bible is about, is the gospel. And hopefully some of that structure will, will help you. And so that's just a really, really brief snapshot of the structure of the Bible. Um, and then again, the other thing I said that, that people misunderstand or don't know about clearly is the overall story of the Bible. Uh, and so John 1.1, 1, 1. John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So it, it describes this, it describes Jesus, he's talking about Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, and he describes Jesus as the Word. What do you think of Outside of that verse, when you usually hear somebody talk about the word, what are they usually referring to? Huh? Loud. The Bible, right? When somebody talks about the word, they're usually talking about the Bible. And so the word is, God, is the Bible. It is God's written words, right? 
breathed out by God like we talked about in 2 Timothy. The Word is also, Jesus is also called the Word. So if the, if the Bible is God's message written out, then Jesus is God's message lived out. Okay? So the Bible is God's message written out and Jesus is God's message lived out. This is why he's called the Word in this part. He's the most perfect expression of God's love and mercy and grace. Uh, even Jesus himself says uh, that all of Scripture points to him. If you go to John 5.39, John 5.39 says, You search the Scriptures, this is Jesus talking, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So in this, he's talking about the Scriptures point to him. And if you think about it at that time, so this is the beginning, this is, this is the New Testament, right? There's, not, there's none of these letters about, from Paul yet that these pe- the people don't know that yet. The only scripture that the people know is what at this time? Old Testament. Way to be. The only scripture that the people at that time know is the Old Testament. So Jesus himself is saying, the Old Testament is about me. And you think that the Old Testament and these writings and memorizing these things are, are what's going to save you, but that you're missing the point. The scripture is pointing to me. The scripture is not meant to save you, it's not meant to bring you life, but me, the scripture being about me, just again, Jesus talking, Jesus is saying, I'm the one that came to bring you life. And that is why scripture matters, that is why it's important, that is why it is something worthwhile of digging into it reading scripture and memorizing some stuff will not bring you life it won't bring me life just to memorize some words from a page and there were a lot of guys then there's a lot of people now that think if you if I can just memorize some things and I can uh, just know some scripture really well that that's what's gonna save me and make me better the point is not memorizing scripture the point is knowing what scripture is about, more importantly, knowing who scripture is about. It's about Jesus, and our life comes from him. Again, the word of God is his words written out. Jesus is his words lived out. And everything that's written out is about Jesus. Jesus even said in those verses 539 of John, you think that in them, that in the Bible, in Scripture, in the Old Testament, that you have eternal life. And he says, but they bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. They didn't want anything to do with Jesus, but he's saying you're missing the point then, because it is all about me, and it is all about coming to me to get life. Our life comes from Jesus himself. Flip back to John 1.1. 1, 1. It says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, he was in the beginning with God. Uh, all things were made through him, and without him not anything, that, anything made that was made, wait, sorry. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. It's an awesome sentence. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So this is talking about Jesus being there when God created everything. It says nothing was created um, outside of Jesus. All things were made through Jesus. He was in the beginning with God. 
and he was God. So this is stuff that points to the Trinity as well. Um, so we're going to flip back all the way to the beginning to Genesis 1. As we talk about, again, the overall story of Scripture. Genesis 1, 1. Very beginning. And guess how it starts? In the beginning. Right? Just like in John 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What, what I want you to get, what I want you to get about the Bible and what it's talking about um, is something that Terrell talks about every time he's probably up here. Um, if you ever heard him speak, Kyle was talking about the other day. Um, we were created for relationship and responsibility. Those are the two things that we were created for. Relationship with God, um, responsibility to um, share who he is with other people, essentially. To bring life to other people. That's what God created us for, to have relationship with him and to have re responsibility to reflect who God is to the people around us so that they would come to him and they would have a relationship with him and they would be free as well. And so in the beginning, God, God has existed eternally um, in the Trinity and he creates his world and he creates us. Uh, Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says that we are made in his image. So God created man in his own image and the image of God he created him Male and female, he created them. And then he, so he creates us in his image. He creates us for this relationship with him. And then it says, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so he created us for this responsibility as well, to cultivate the earth, to, to cultivate life in the earth. God gives us everything that we need. He gives us this awesome woman, um, and, and they're both naked, which is awesome. And it even says in verse, it says in Genesis 2.25, this is like a great verse to give somebody on their wedding night. Um, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Um, they were completely unashamed. And, and then everything changes in the next verse. So like this perfect world, every, they have everything that they need. God gives them everything that they need. And they have each other. And then in verse, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any, any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. So Satan comes into the picture and he tries to mess things up. And tempts ease but with this idea of like God's holding out on you. And this is the same lie that, that, that Satan will tell you in your life right now. He will try to get you to doubt God's word. He will try to get you to doubt what God has said. He will try to get you to think that God is holding out on you. This is, again, this is why some of these things are applicable to you right now today. Satan does the same thing that he did here at the very beginning. When we first see Satan in scripture, he does the same thing and it's the best weapon that he has. Is to try to get you to doubt God's word, twist it just a little bit, and try to get you to believe uh, that God's holding out on you, that he could have more from you, for you, but he's just holding out on you because he's, he's mean that way. So then Adam and Eve sin, and then everything that's perfect is wrecked for the rest of the world. Sin enters the picture in Genesis 3. 
and everything gets wrecked, um, and everything's broken. And so you have this perfect world that God created for, for us for relationship and for responsibility. Everything gets broken um, when sin enters into the world, when, when Adam and Eve disobey. And then the rest of Scripture from Genesis 3 on is about God trying to rescue his people and restore that relationship. So they would have this restored relationship with him and they would begin to fulfill the responsibility of representing him, reflecting him to the people around them and bringing life where they go. That's what scripture is about. That's what the Bible is about. We have this broken relationship where we, we can't be with God like we could before. And, and from Genesis 3.15, it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. As he's talking to the serpent. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. He shall bruise your head and he, you shall bruise his heel. This is the very first speaking of the gospel in Scripture. What God is saying is that he shall bruise your head. It's saying that, or some other versions say he shall crush your head. Jesus will crush Satan even though Satan will bruise his heel, which means, yes, Jesus will die, but in his death, it's just like a little bruise on the heel compared to what Jesus is doing. He's conquering death forever. He's going to crush Satan. And there's this promise of being rescued. It starts there. And it's, it's through all these rest of these pages is, is how God's wanting to rescue his people and pleading with them and trying, with them, trying to get them to understand that he wants a relationship with them and he wants them to live for him uh, and live for the purposes that he created them for. So if you know these two things, if you know the structure of Scripture, if you know the main story of what it's all about, the gospel, it will make Scripture so much more clear to you when you go to it. Again, I, I beg you to get that book, 30 Days to Understand the Bible. It will make things, I, f I feel like, so clear. If you want to, so, so we kind of talk through that in a little bit more detail, I feel like. Um, a summary that you might hear here at Grace um, of what Scripture is about. Uh, and what I really like about it is like based on these four numbers, right? So it's, it's, for me, it's easier to remember that way. Uh, if you want to know what Scripture is about, it's about one triune God, one God that is made up of the Trinity, right? So one triune God, that's a fun word, T-R-I-U-N-E. One triune God, which is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? Two kingdoms in conflict. So, so the Bible is about one triune God, two kingdoms in conf conflict, light versus darkness are those two kingdoms. Three sources of bondage. There's three sources of bondage, Satan, the world, and sin. Those are the things that try to keep us bound, keep us from being set free in Christ, are Satan, the world, and sin. And then four promises of God, love, freedom, rest, and power. One triune God, two kingdoms in conflict, three sources of bondage, four promises of God. Uh, those four promises, again, are love, freedom, rest, and power. That's a summary of Scripture as a whole. It's a summary of life. We have a God who loves us, that wants a relationship with us, that wants us to reflect him to the people around us. But there's these two kingdoms in, in conflict, light and darkness, Satan, uh, the world, and sin try to get us to be, be trapped, stay trapped in darkness. 
um, and keep us from these four promises of God, which is love, freedom, rest, and power. That's what we have promised by God in him. And when you begin to understand that, and, and you can go to Scripture with that understanding, um, it just brings so much more life to these pages. All of the Bible is about the gospel. The good news that Jesus, that God wants, to, wants, and, wants us and loves us, um, and he loves us perfectly, and he sent Jesus to rescue us. Again, you guys last week wrote a ton of stuff on, a, on a pieces of paper that we had laid out here. He wants us to have freedom from that. He wants you to have power over your sin, the sin that you think you have to keep doing, the sin that you think you have to keep hidden. He wants you to have power over that. There is authority in Jesus over your sin. He wants you free from that. He wants you to experience real love where you know that you're loved and you're cared for. So many of you doubt that. And you hide it by just like joking around and acting like things are okay. When I... I know a lot of your stories and how broken your life and your family and, and those things are. Um, he wants you to know that you're loved, that you're really cared for, that you don't have to be defined by, by your sin. So many of you, like, at least your sin gives you an identity, so you run with that. You're so, more, so much more than that. Um, and so that's my goal as we, as we walk through this in the next year and a half, is that you would understand Scripture um, in a whole new light, that it would make sense to you of how God is trying to rescue his people and use this book to talk about it. Um, but all the words on this page come, come to life in Jesus. Um, just remember that, you know. Uh, as we walk, walk through this in, these, in this next time together. Uh, don't miss the point of it all. It's not just to study some scriptures and know some facts. It's to learn about the God of the universe that, that loves you and wants to set you free from sin and wants you to live a life that's worth something. That's why we meet. That's why we're here. Um, if you have questions about I don't know, just resources to learn more about how to study scripture, things like 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. If you want one of those books, come talk to me. I have some. You can just go on Amazon and order it for $10, I'm sure. Um, it's worth getting to know those things so that this stuff actually makes sense to you.